From talkradio.nyc, welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in beautiful Manhattan. On tonight's show, we've got magic to do. And yes, magic is the only way to describe it. We are going to make disorder disappear, just like Jimmy Hoffa, just like the lines on Cher's face. Just like Kevin Spacey's career. Oh, God, I got hundreds of them. What we're really going to (laughs) do is talk about the principles and strategies of organizing our homes, which, like magic, will organize our lives. We have the wizard herself right here in the studio tonight, Amy Neiman from A Simplified Life. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Join us, leave your fields to flower. Join us, leave your cheese to sour. Join us, come and waste an hour or two. Ah, do lead to keep that magic to do just for you. We've got miracle plays to play. We've got parts to perform, parts to warm. Things and things. As we go along our way, each and every day we drop one more bag at the door, we make one more stack of mail on the kitchen table, we add to the overflowing laundry basket, and each and every day our piles of stuff are too many magazines, our too many sweaters on the shelf, and all of our too many things that should have been donated to charity so long ago. Our beautiful homes become overrun with all kinds of gizmo. I just found a bag full of uh, computer cords, telephone jacks, and dozens and dozens of electronic wires that seem to connect to absolutely nowhere. Personally, I like to think of myself as being really organized. Every day, I update my list of things to accomplish. I'm faithful to my call list and can't wait to take my little red pen and cross out all the names on the list. I still use three-ring binders, and I download architectural plans and painting schedules to my iPad just for the contractor who never seems to have the right information when they need it. But let me tell you, I hate, I mean I hate, to file. I can't think of anything worse than filing pieces of paper into manila filing folders. I would much rather watch reruns of The Apprentice. I need, no, 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 I want to blame someone for the pressure to be so damn orderly. I want to hold someone accountable for the social humiliation of having a messy desk. Oh, and just as a side note, and just so that we're completely aware, it is a well-known fact 
that among us creative types, having a messy desk is close to godliness. Back to the point. Someone's got to be blamed for this. It's got to be somebody's fault. But who? Catholic nuns? The Masons? Who could have been so cruel, so ridiculous, that this idea, this idea of being well-organized was so important? It can only be one person I can think of. Can you guess who? All right. Well, I'm going to tell you. It's Benjamin Franklin. Yes, Benjamin Franklin, the one of our very own founding fathers. I decided to Ben <laughs> I decided to blame Ben because who better a person to fault for the misery of our piles, the piles of shoes by the front door, the piles of unread books, than a parent to all of us, a father to millions, good old smarty pants Ben Franklin himself. You remember Ben's clever little quotes, early to bed, early to rise, and this one, for every minute spent organizing, an hour is saved. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those clever little ditties have ruined generations of small children's lives. I mean, really, what did he know? He only had time, right? Who cares if he invented electricity and eyeglasses? let alone was instrumental in founding a little country we call America. I'm absolutely positive that they had more time back then. I think it was so much easier without computers, wasn't it? This organizing thing that Ben was so fond of has gone a bit too far, don't you think? Who cares about the Dewey Decimal System or how billions of bits of information shoot up to a satellite in the sky and send megabits of information back to our computers? Do I really care about the numerical stream of organized data bits that make this happen? And this Dewey Decimal System that libraries and museums use, who invented it anyway? So what if there's over a million books, recordings, and photographs at the Library of Congress? Big deal. Is it truly necessary to be so well-read, so knowledgeable, and so culturally literate when you have TV? Do we really need to know the exact location of the damn storage self that Abraham Lincoln's famous handwritten House Divided speech is on? And since when have we been so interested in Lincoln's view on interior design and divided houses anyway? I believe in deconstructionism. I'm a deconstructionist kind of guy. Show me your rubles. Let me see what you're made out of. Put the process on the table kind of guy. Deconstructionism is the antidote to the perfectionist sensibility. So cast away the rectilinear form. Reject old cultural references. Begone Benjamin Franklin and his a place for everything and everything in its place archaic ideals. Because, believe it or not, we are only at the threshold, the beginning of what modern design and architecture really is, which is this, a keen awareness of the consequences of our modernization. The computer-generated manipulation of form, materials never imagined or possible until man's journey into space. In architecture, Frank Gehry, the founding member of the deconstructionism movement, 
deliberately juxtaposes elements that appear to contradict each other. He purposely challenges traditional ideas of harmony and continuity, even stability. And buildings like architect I.M. Pei's controversial glass pyramid at the Louvre Museum in Paris is a good example of early deconstructionist ideas. Surrounded by century-old French Renaissance limestone facades and classical rectilinear shapes, the I.M.P. glass pyramid emerges up out of the ground from the historic Corps Napoleon gravel courtyard. This supposed folly was so controversial at first, despised by so many for destroying the historic landscape, can only now be recognized as a triumph. The glass pyramidal walls don't block the century-old Palais de Louvre building from view. It enhances them. The wire and delicate metal structures of the pyramid doesn't demand focus away from the massive courtyard, but invites tourists and Frenchmen alike to have a purpose and a reason for being there, to participate in our stored humanity, our cultures, and our history. In furniture, deconstructionism trends tend to reveal the frame, the structure of the chair, the sofa, the cabinet. I remember not so many years ago being stopped dead in my tracks at the Paris flea market. From a distance, I eyed a pair of vintage chairs that, through the decades, maintained their layers of cotton batting, horsehair, burlap, and linen-covered seat cushions and pleated arms. But the back... The back of the chair was uncovered, stripped down to the simple crafted metal frame. The contradiction of well-used aged upholstered seats and arms against the naked tarnished metal back of the frame was a piece of art unto itself. I remember coming home and reacting immediately by exposing the metal frames of my lampshades, removing the predictable silk and linen covers. I might be stretching this analogy a bit too far by including a momentous architectural achievement with my library lampshades, but isn't that the whole idea, to see through it, to see past it, past the confines, the convention, the tradition, to see the light, the source, isn't that the whole purpose, the whole reason why the lamp is there in the first place? What I like most about deconstructionism is the exposed thought, that complexity is a good thing, that not knowing is a better answer than absolute clarity and thousands of years of old binary ideas. And what I like most is the new human relationship to design, to design and the treasures things that are around us. So before we talk to Amy Neiman, hopefully so that she can wave her magic wand and put this show back together again, I have a favor to ask. The next time you buy a bunch of flowers or you're lucky enough to get a flower arrangement from someone else, I want you to take it, reshape it, remove it, do what you want to it. Cut off the stems or don't cut off the stems, but put it back differently than how you found it. Maybe the roses would look better in a different kind of container, or maybe the whole arrangement should be spread out around the house so you can see each and every flower better. Only then, after you've taken it apart, seen it for what it truly is, only then can you know the true beauty 
of it all. And isn't that magic? And just in case we forgot, remember, this is all Benjamin Franklin's fault. When we come back, we get a chance to talk to Amy Neiman from A Simplified Life. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. Yeah, you can all thank me. Took some lightning and kite and a fat brass cave. And they're putting up streetlights in Gay Perry. And do you know who the fuck I am? Yeah, do you know who the fuck I am? Do you know who the fuck I am? I am Richard Albanac riding Benjamin fucking Franklin. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow, Follow Me Friday, Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your, your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo-hoo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Amy Neiman, welcome to At Home. What a pleasure it is to have you with me tonight. Thanks for talking to me. I like to start each and every question, each and every show with the same question to my guest, which is, what is your meaning of beauty? And more specifically, what is beautiful in your home? Awesome. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And beauty to me is really more of a feeling than something I see. So if something makes me happy, something makes me smile, that's just beauty. It like radiates from the inside, from my inside out. And so things for me that are really beautiful, like, so we asked about a home, right? I'm going to talk about my last apartment, which I was in for six years, which I gave up this year, actually. I've been a nomad, put all my stuff in storage, and I've been traveling. So there's a different way beauty shows up that way. But for my apartment, I had this cushy, awesome 
rug that you would like sit in it and you just would feel like home and um, the feeling of being home and all like the art I had on the wall, things that made me feel good. That really is what beauty is. If it makes me feel good. Fantastic. I mean, I think that's a really beautiful way to describe it. Um, everybody's had a different answer. So I've been fascinated by that. Um, but hopefully that we all feel beauty when we're at home and that's the idea and uh, i think that's nice and whether it's a rug or a piece of art or something sentimental i think it doesn't really matter very much does it it doesn't matter and it's also the space of how you feel like safety yeah safety and security mm-hmm. and just like feeling love and warmth in your space i think that also is where beauty lies for me especially in, a, in an environment um like i said i've gave up my apartment and I've been in many different apartments traveling either here in New York and California and London and so when I'm in other people's places it's also the feeling that evokes beauty to me like their warmth their generosity the space that I'm in that's also been really beautiful I'm fascinated by this nomad concept so now we're going to get off subject here really quickly <laughs> but uh, so just talk a little bit about that you know like your your sense of being a nomad versus sort of the security and safety of having your own apartment and what does that feel like and then how do we relate that to organization and the skill set that it takes um, to have a, a well-organized home well for me it's very new I'm someone who likes security and safety and things around me that um, fuel that so having my own space and my own apartment was beautiful for me um to use your word just it was very helpful whereas living this nomad life is very out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. and it came about just you know new york city apartments new lease new you know i'm gonna it's not a planned thing it's not a planned thing but you're working I, it was, through it i uh literally had i decided in two weeks that i was moving all my stuff to storage and uh picking up and doing different things Besides you not having a traditional apartment <laughs> or being a nomad, which is an interesting term, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become a grand wizard of organizing design and a simplified life? How did that, where did that come from? How did you know that that was important? And how did you, uh, how were you able to express that to other people? Well, I really started when I was seven years old. Seven. Seven. I remember sitting at my desk in my bedroom and I remember studying for a test and I couldn't focus. I couldn't focus at all. There was so much clutter and so much things around me in my bedroom that if I didn't move the stuff away and cleared all the clutter around me, I had this like feeling in my body of claustrophobia and 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 like heart racing and things like anxiety. that. Anxiety. Anxiety. And you know, I have my master's of psychology and I learned really what panic attacks were really late in my 20s, realizing I was kind of having them back then and didn't even know it. Wow. And so anxiety had me be in a space where I created being organized to um, feel safe, to not feel all the sensations in my body that made me feel anxious. And so if I cleared the clutter around me when I was studying, then I could actually focus on the task at hand. So the same thing, how that worked with high school, how that worked with college, my dorm room, every job I ever had, my desk was always immaculate. Like there was always folders 
and I love color folders and I love labels. So like you really know what you're looking for. And then that made me be more clear with what I was doing because everything around me was easier to deal with. So you were able to focus at the task at hand Mm -hmm. because you didn't have the clutter and the distractions that the clutter brings. Correct. Um, Yeah. So I was something I just created and I've had that as my personality or one of my personality traits for a really long time. (laughs) Fascinating. Uh, You said something about being seven and I I think the interesting um, connection to all of us or um, certainly people who are doing what they are meant to do or what their passions are always seem to have the same sort of origination story. I was young. I was nine. I did this as a kid. And I, not to say anything about organizational skills, but I just never uh, assumed that somebody who as worse, that was talented with like you are with helping people to organize and understanding that process would have developed that so early. So that's a really interesting. Everything we have in life actually develops early. Our money story, our work story, our relationship story, how we actually have a house or not have a house, like our organizational, either we're doing it as what we see with our parents or we're doing it opposite because we saw what our parents were like. And all those stories really stem from a really early age, as early as one to seven, really is where all the everything is everything in your life stems from an incident that happened during that early years and then what you really made it mean and then what you created from that so is it a coincidence that you have a degree in psychology and that you do what you do now with and all of that or those obviously go together it's not at all yeah it's a learned behavior and it's also something that i do really well and so i just stay with it I might not do it as well on, on my own person, but when I'm working with the client, I'm all on their stuff and, and I help them create what they need to create. I think that it's true for me, too. In other words, um, I would say especially with Color, which was the show last week, but even with other things, but people's uh, reaction to Color if their parents had it or if their grandparents had it can be very visceral. I mean, it can be like, oh, no, 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 no. I grew up with that. I don't want any of that around me. And you're sort of talking about the same thing. Kind it could of, be right? really subtle, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It could be really subtle. Sometimes you do something, you don't even know why you're doing it. But it's a reaction. But to... it's a reaction from something back in the past. Fascinating. Fascinating. So specifically, because this is interesting, what what have you learned from your clients and maybe what stories do your clients have that you can help everybody understand that really identifies that sort of reaction and how we learn how to be uh, more organized and better for ourselves? Well, um, it really stems. uh, I've learned so much from my clients but I treat them individually. So one of the things is, is that it's not a cookie cutter approach for me anyway. I need to know who you are, how you operate, and what will work best for you for me to create whatever plan that is, organizing an office or creating a system, whatever that might look like the project that we're working on. Because if I just come in and organize how I want to organize, it's not going to work for you because that works for me. So every single person is an individual and it has to work for, for them. So I come in, learn what you're doing, what works, what doesn't work, so that I can create something that we can build upon 
and then create some sort of system that works for you. Because my whole thing is if I have to come back for the same thing, I'm not really doing my job. I'm not doing you a service because I want to create something that's lasting, that creates the space where you can just do it every day. So do you think that um, one session or a period of sessions is enough to turn that tide? In other words, why do people get so stuck in clutter and why does it why does it affect all of us on some level? And 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 even if I had you uh, help me, I'm almost positive I'll revert back at some point after you've left me. So what is why does it happen in the first place if we know better, if we know that being organized is a better thing for us? Sometimes we don't know better. We are in the space actually of this of um doing what we're doing so i'm going to say right now you talked about in the past like you know we had more time back in the day right i we say now that um an individual could have more regular mail and email in one day than people had in their lifetimes back in in like the 1900s so we are so inundated right now with with so much stimulus and so many different choices that we're so busy. We're too busy. And so we're not always going to be having that on our radar. Um, we can talk about this. There's so many different questions you had. So just to answer for the bigger part is that everybody is completely different. And what you do or don't do isn't bad or wrong. It's just at that moment, you know, something needs to change. That's when we change it. And that's when we have the answer to figure out what it is. And we might need someone to help us figure out what that is. I think I have too many questions, which is a problem. <laughs> and we've only just started. So we'll be back with Amy Neiman with, uh, from A Simplified Home. You are listening to At Home, and we'll be back in two minutes. Great Caesars ghost look at this place. <laughs> so Penny's a little messy. A little messy? The Mandelbrot set of complex numbers is a little messy. This is chaos. Excuse me. Explain to me an organizational system where a tray of flatware on a couch is valid. And I'm just inferring that this is a couch because the evidence suggests the coffee table is having a tiny garage sale. Did it ever occur to you? You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc.
Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We are talking to Amy Neiman, organizing consultant and owner of A Simplified Life. You can follow Amy on Twitter at Amy underscore Neiman and on Facebook at A Simplified Life. Amy, I was fascinated by the psychology question, so I want to talk about that a little bit more. But before we do, let's just kind of lay some rules out or some basic thoughts for everybody. I know that you do and you do very, very well because you've worked for many of my clients, but you do a very individual approach. You're very personal with what they need and how they go about doing um, the organization or the decluttering in their lives. But are there three or four things that maybe everybody in a general audience could just pick up from you about what to think about and how to maybe make it work for themselves? Yeah, well, the first, definitely the first thought is that whatever you have in your house and your situation is, is perfect. Right. You got how many years to get you to where you were in this part that where you are and what your home looks like is is great. It's perfect. And now you want to make a change because something's not working. Right. So the first thing is not make yourself bad or wrong or shameful of what your apartment looks like and deal with now. This is what I want to create and where I want to go from that. Well, that's. I mean, that's wonderful onto itself, right? Because the first thing that happens is you're mad at yourself. You're angry. You can't. How did I get to be this way? How did I get to be that way? But you just turn that narrative around. Yeah, because there's nothing you can do about the past. And to make yourself wrong that, it, you know, maybe you were in this apartment 40 years is a long time to like collect things. And now something different and changed in your life. And now you want to create something else. And so it's starting from that place of now this is what I want. And this is what I want this room to be like. How can I get it? Well, I'm just going to jump in again because life change is something that is important in interior design. And I think it is for a lot of professions. And I think the difference really is that you're not helping them with the life change because they're coming to you because they're starting to feel that something in their life is changing, right? Is that mm-hmm. is and they that need true? some sort of um, they need some sort of system to make it work better. So either like they're creating a new life in the family and they need to make room for all the baby stuff, or they're changing over and they want to create that second bedroom into an office. How can they make that work? Um, they're renovating their apartment and they need to put all their stuff away or figure out what they're keeping and not keeping before the demolition happens. So there's a lot of different things that are in life transition phases um, that I work with with my clients. Um, even like in offices, when I work with offices, you know, how, how do I make my office more successful and more productive? How can we create systems for flow? So it's like coming from one part to another part of life. And so the biggest thing, um, one of my favorite, favorite tools is really dealing with like macro versus micro sorting, because sometimes, as we know, we are really, really busy and we don't have a lot of time. And so a macro sort is really like creating a space of everything in the right room that it needs to be in, Um, putting 
all the photographs together so you can eventually go through it at one time, putting all of the kids' stuff in their own rooms or in one kid's spot so then you can go through it at one time, like really creating the space of the expansion macro of where where it's going to end up and land. And then a micro sort is now actually touching every single item, meaning taking everything out of the closet and going through what you want to, like your clothes, or going through the paperwork and the dreaded files that you don't like. That's the micro sort. And sometimes you do them at a different time of the day when it works for you, or you have help so someone can sit there with you, um, things like that. So just really creating space to do macro sorting versus micro sorting. That's one of the biggest tips that I have because people think they have to start all at once and it gets really overwhelming. And if you break it down into little pieces, and over time, you will create a better space of organization. Um, I know that that worked for me um, as far as, of course, um, being able to file well. Um, and so so thank you for that. And, and you did. You sat right next to me and we worked right through some of those uh, things at the office. And I appreciate that. Um, you know, um, there's the common notion of this uh, three pile situation, mm -hmm. right? Throw it away, keep it, and donate it to mm -hmm. charity. So I've always thought that that worked well. Um, and I think um, some of the items that we have trouble or we struggle with are emotionally charged items, yes. right? So can you just talk a little bit about that? The, that even though we have a directive to put it in this pile or that pile or this, we still have trouble putting it down. And so how do you work through that emotionally charged item? Well, when you have a conversation with someone, you start asking them about the item, right? It's different than when you're doing it on your own and you're really thinking in your head. So having someone else who knows what they're talking about or, or can actually be in that space. Um, why do you have this? Wh who gave it to you? Um, when was the last time you used it? Oh, my God. Did you even see this or know that it was there? Um, things like that. Lots of questions that come up with a person. So trash, you know, if things are tainted, soiled, um, you know, lots of paperwork that's n no longer valid. Let's recycle it. Let's actually trash it because you know, it, it's already served its purpose, especially if it's worn, tattered, and we're not going to, like, fix it or anything like that. Um, keep... I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's a myth to think that charities like to take things that are so worn. No. I mean, you need to donate things that are valid to somebody else. Correct. So um, the donation part, which I'll, I'll talk about second, sorry. is... No, it's perfect. Um, the donation part that, that I'm talking about is, like, certain places want really well done clothes they don't take clothes that are soiled they don't take clothes that are worn shoes that are scuffed things like that most charities won't take that most donation places won't take that because they're they're used and so you have to just put i'm gonna say put on your big girl boy panties and just be like for this time i'm gonna say thank you to the items and then toss it because that's the only answer but for a donation you know they it's time for that book that you've had for three years or 12 years or however and you've read it um to give it to someone else actually who they get the opportunity to read it or something that you have you know that you love but you don't ever wear it it's time for someone else. So it's not just donating to charity to donate to charity. It's really giving it a purpose to someone else who hasn't had that in their life. I love the thought or the saying of thank you. 
thank you to the item that you used and that you worn well or that was good to you and now you're ready to say goodbye to it and yeah it. and you can do that for things that you're donating too um there's a big misnomer with gifts i have a thing a lot of people ask me about gifts so um when someone has given you a gift it is now yours it is your, yours to do what it is that you like. So if that means that if it's a gift that doesn't serve you, it is time to either bring it back to the store and buy some, or exchange it for something that does serve you or give it to someone you know or donate it to someone who actually can use it in their life. But just because somebody gives you a gift, it doesn't mean that you need to keep it for 30 years on your mantle because when they come to your house and they don't see it, they're going to ask about it and you're going to feel bad. It is... Um, a very touchy subject for a lot of people so I'm not going to say like this is the only way but this is the space of um, where you can really give the gift to someone who's actually going to enjoy it because let's just be honest you don't love every gift you ever get well and a gift to me I think is um, a concept of friendship of you know I, I'm you know I'm offering this to you this is me um, uh letting you know that you're important to me and that I care. And it's not necessarily the physical item as it is the emotional sentiment that goes with presenting the gift, correct? That so that is might true. be easier to give it away. <laughs> well, there's also, don't get me wrong, there's also um, people who give gifts who um, double gift because yeah. they don't want something. Yeah. So there's a different types of um, reasons why people gift. So, you know, we do get a lot of significance in our head about things and I just want to say like life is super short and to have things around you that you really don't like in your home um, and you see it every day that doesn't bring you any any peace any joy any love and so you want to be able to surround yourself with things that you really enjoy around you and that you love seeing yeah and then if you put it in a box and put it in storage, then you're either in New York City spending money for storage and there's not many places to put it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for the container store. I think everyone else is, too. I mean, there's something wonderful about it. But is it possible to have too many plastic bins? I mean, you know, when do you stop saving everything? You know, when is that sense that I'm done, I can't store one more thing? And for a lot of people, it's costly. Right? It's costly, especially if you're in New York City and you have a small, um, I don't say small, but you have limited space. New York City apartments have very limited space. I know that a lot of people need to go vertical and things like that, but if you don't have storage space, you really don't have a place to put it. And so really being in this minimalism state, which as I'm learning a lot, lot more about as I'm in my own storage unit right. and only having things around me that I love in the one suitcase that I've been taking with me at least for the last three weeks is that, you know, you don't have places to store it. So if you really don't need it, there's you don't need it. Do you think you talked about it a little bit, but language is a problem, right? I mean, in other words, People say purging or they'll look online and it'll be six months uh, challenge to declutter. It all sounds to me very unappealing, right? And it sounds like something I have to do, like this task that I don't want to do. But you've already talked about that a shift in language, thanking the item for uh, being good to you or being useful to you. But can you talk a little bit more about some of the terminologies and the ideas that you have to live in gratitude about what it is that you're getting rid of instead of making it this unbelievably difficult task? 
Um, well, when you have a certain mindset, scarcity comes around instead of, of abundance. And so when you actually keep things around you, lo- you love, you have a space of opening for um, abundance, for more things to come in that actually aren't um, items, right? So thanking and being in gratitude and being in that space is more for me um, a way of being than the items that are in your house taking up space. If I don't know if that completely answers your question, but that's part of um, changing the language of the items that you have and what you use them for and the functionality of what's in your home. Well, certainly it changes the story, mm-hmm. right, which might probably be more important than the exact actual terminology and the wordage. So, yeah, absolutely. And I know that for me, that's important, too, you know, that um, that I can make it a positive thing, make it a, a thing to rejoice and to be proud of energy and, and the energy that goes with it. So this is unbelievable. And time flies by when you're having so much fun. Will you do me a favor and stick around and answer some questions from our listeners when we come back? This is At Home. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. unhappy with your body shape or size ever feel out of control with food i'm elizabeth tripp your host of nourish the soul join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life join us every wednesday at my new time 7 p.m eastern standard time on talkradio.nyc TalkingAlternative.com We have some incredible questions from our listeners, so will you help me answer some of them? I will do my best. I I do think the first one's for me, though, because I'm getting a question about Deruda. So I noticed that you didn't discuss the seminal figure of the deconstructionist movement, the philosopher Jacques Deruda. Uh, yes, thank you. I didn't. Um, <laughs> this show is about uh, design, and um, I'm a big fan of Deruda. I think you know all of his twenty books are worth the read. 
Um, but we have incredibly shocking uh, tight time restraints. So I didn't have a chance to um, add him uh, to the destructionist uh, conversation that we were having. So if you're interested, um, there's some wonderful information, again, in his books, or certainly you can go online and read all about him. But he is worthy of the read, and he is a valuable, uh, he, he gave us very much uh, wonderful contributions uh, to how we think and how we should think. Um, so that takes care of that. Um, Here's one uh, for both of us. Uh, my husband seems to be able to derail most of my attempts at organizing our house. He has trouble getting rid of things. I think that's a common situation between couples. Um, and, <laughs> and doesn't like most of my ideas in the first place. Help me. Um, so what happens when you know, you're married or you have a partner or whatever your situation is and you both approach uh, the home differently. I certainly have issues with that a lot. Um, but this is an interesting case because um, maybe they're more emotionally attached to a certain item than you are. Mm -hmm. And um, and I can see that that could develop into a real problem. Is there any solution? For sure. So the first, the first thing I would say is get a third party. Uh, an organizer ah. or something like oh, that you are to have <laughs> because um, they they Amy. work on different they work on different abilities maybe one's a visual person and one is more analytical and so mm. having the space of why and having the conversation of what what is this room like and what do you like about it and don't like about it um, and having a third party neutral person to actually come up with solutions for the room where they're both involved and that also um, gives a space for zones so I'm very um, big on zones, zones. so um, having a husband in this case who you know likes something a certain way or doesn't keep things organized creating a room just for him that he can do whatever he wants and note that maybe there uh, there's someone who's going to come and clean once a week or something like that and this is what needs to happen or something like having a zone having a zone then just for all the bills and the action items and all the paperwork so it's only in one space of the house and then just trying to have that conversation of this is like the action work zone so, or his and her kind of like um, separate spaces for working. I mean, it really, it really needs to have a space where someone else comes in and has the conversation with both of them. Um, I have my master's of psychology and I'm an organizer, so I have a little bit more background to help with the conversations. Um, and so, and then zoning out like what, you know, this is my space. You can do whatever you want with it. This is my space. Well, I think that's the it. big takeaway then, really, this idea of zones. Because I'm thinking that the either the dining room table or or the, the kitchen island, whatever might be the attractive piling place, could be an off-limit zone, mm -hmm. right? To start that, you know, we can agree that we're not messing up the island we can agree mm -hmm. that we're not messing up the dining room table and then you can go from there and select different places for different things to happen that Correct. seems like a good way to keep a marriage together it's it's a start and um the other thing i always have is the fast 15 it's one of my um 
things I like to do is 15 minutes. Um, you can do this at work and you can do this at home, but the last 15 minutes of every day, you literally go around and um, put things in the proper space. So you would macro sort, um, putting things in the rooms that it needs to, or maybe you have like a bin with everyone's name on it and anything that's that person, it goes in the bin and then they can you know do with it as they please. So it's not in the common area, but it's in a space that's theirs and then, then they know where it is. So coming up with like um, that kind of thing for zones um, and then doing like a fast 15 like at, at work, like making sure you put everything away for the day and then you're setting up tomorrow. So you come in tomorrow fresh and not dealing with anything from the day before kind of also works in the house as well. I mean, 15 minutes is not a true investment really or you know you can put on a, um, a song or something like yeah, that yeah you can make dance it fun. around or yeah you know and some people have done it in 10 minutes too so i like this one and you and i have this uh together as a kind of a big problem actually um my children i have spoiled my children they have way too many things and i'm always having conversations about putting things away and cleaning their rooms do you have any real ideas on how to challenge my children's bad habits? I like the, as I just said, the Fast 15 where everything oh. in the bigger And that could room, be a game for kids. It could be, depending upon the ages too, is that they have like a bin with their name on it. And at the end of each day, maybe it's a daily thing for them. Everything, it gets gathered um, from the rest of the house and it goes straight into their room. And then, you know, maybe their room is their fun, safe zone. And you have a different rule from them. They can do what they want in their room, whatever kind of um, thing you come up. And maybe helping them, having them come up with some of the rules. Because when the kids get involved, they actually will, you know, pay more attention and, and do what is asked of them. Because they're the ones creating the rules. That's about true with everything. Yes. And then the other, the, there's a one big thing I have with kids that I love with families is that I have this big box, depending upon where it is, um, for a donation box. And I keep it out for maybe like a week. And then throughout the week, whenever we go around the house and we see something that no longer serves us or it's old or we haven't, it's time to give it away, then you just put it in the bin and you know it's for donate. And then after a week, you just go and donate the box and you have it ongoing. So, you know when we touch something we don't put it back down if we don't like it anymore and it's using your language of being thankful for what it gave us and being grateful to be able to give it to somebody else yes I mean, and getting and getting children involved especially early on helps with that i mean uh, that sounds like a beautiful lesson for all children and adults too and myself. adults too <laughs> hey listen um i have another question about kids which is uh here it is my son just graduated from college and is living at home or living back at home. His his bedroom is a disaster. I'm sure very much like his dorm room was. What can I do besides kick him out? I don't I think it's the same at any age for for children and kids. A they're always going to be your children and kids, but when they live with you, um getting them involved and having them help create the rules of the house or the room. Um and then gets them more involved and I think also being in the space of he can do what he needs to do in his room it's a space but you know all there's no food in the bedroom or something like that so all dishes have to be put away in the kitchen if they're dirty um, some bigger you know rules um, is fine for the house and then having his room be how his room is 
Oh, just literally shutting the door and that is what it is. Yeah, and then having some boundaries about, you know, I I was never allowed to eat in my room when I was younger, you know. We never were allowed to bring food outside of the kitchen or the living room. So, um, you know, bedrooms didn't have food in it. So if that's one of the, the rules that you guys create, then that's the rules that you create. But the, they're never, you're never going to change someone. You're never going to change the behavior and habits of someone. They have to actually figure out and do that themselves. But you can create something if it doesn't work for both of you by a conversation and getting them both involved of, you know, what can we do now? Well, I certainly like the idea that in the public space, the family space, these are the rules, the rules of the house, and this is how we're proceeding with that. And you can't violate those, right? Or there's a consequence if it happens. Mm-hmm. Consequence, and then kind of work your way into the bedroom if it is all possible. I think we hit upon this question a little bit before about gifts, but I just had, the question is, I just had a housewarming party for myself um, or for my family, and I had tremendous amount of wonderful friends who were very generous and gave us a lot of presents and gifts. Um, I received so many wonderful things. I don't even know what to do with all of them. So I think it goes back to your other question, right? I mean, to me, it would be definitely a thank you note. For sure. Um, And then going back to our earlier conversation, deciding what's what, what works and doesn't work. What so works also, and like, work, yeah. maybe you get five of the same thing, then you have a way of understanding you only need one of something. So, you know, putting it like with like items, seeing if you have it or don't have it. And then um, maybe if it's housewarming, most of the time people give you gift receipts. And so you can return it for something that actually you don't have um, in your space as well. And, and then can- finding trying to find space for it all in an apartment in New York City is the next bigger It's difficult. Thing. And again, I think it's about your friends conveying their feelings to you and not so much the physical item of the gift. Amy, I have to tell you, um, we are all done talking about decluttering. I think you cleaned up the show very, very well. <laughs> and, <you>. uh, <laughs> and I can't thank you enough for that. And thank you for being here. Please follow Amy on Twitter at Amy ne- underscore Neiman and Facebook at A Simplified Life. Yeah. I want to thank everybody here at talkradio.nyc, Schoolhouse Productions number six. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't even want to try. I want to give a special thanks to Scott Brinningham, Benjamin Keegan for my music. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at home with DTI, and take a look at my website. David Interiors.com. Stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. Until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be.
you're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. listening to the Talking Alternative Network.